Hello and welcome to Talking Europe. EU heads of state and government have just held their final summit of the year in Brussels, and it has turned out to be something of a landmark. They agreed to open EU accession talks with Ukraine and Moldova. They granted Georgia candidate status, and they also want to open talks with Bosnia-Herzegovina when that country has fulfilled more conditions. In a surprise twist, Hungarian Prime Minister Viktor Orban left the room, allowing the 26 other leaders to clinch the deal on Ukraine. Well, I'm joined in the studios of the EU Council by the Prime Minister of Bulgaria, Nikolai Denkov. He leads a coalition government, which was approved in June, after two turbulent years, which saw Bulgarians vote five times in parliamentary elections. Prime Minister, welcome to the programme. Hello. So just describe for us a little bit the atmosphere when this breakthrough was reached on Ukraine and Prime Minister Orban walked out briefly. What was that like? On one side, it was clear that this is a historical moment, and but the historical moment could be positive or negative, depending on the decision. And there is a, there was a very strong will by all the other countries that we have to give this positive signal to all the countries that look for the European perspective. So in some way, it was um, accepted by the Hungarian Prime Minister that... Uh, he shouldn't be the person that stops this as opportunity. Do, do you feel it set a precedent so it's now more difficult for him to block things in, in the future on this whole Ukrainian accession? I, I wouldn't say so. Actually, everyone knows that there are many steps before the final, the final decision. So I don't think so. The, the main idea was that the political perspective is there for all these countries. And uh, if they go in their way, if they make the reforms, then on the merit-based approach, they can be accepted at the end. There was no deal on the uh, multi-financial framework, the long-term EU budget. Was that disappointing? In some way, yes, because, again, 26 countries were clear that they uh, accept these uh, new priorities with the funding for them with the reallocation, with the fresh money that can be gathered together in a package that is very powerful for Ukraine, for the migration, for the uh, other countries' aid and so on. And uh, But you see, as you say, it doesn't make it easier. In, in this case, uh, Hungary said, no, we cannot support it. So that's why there was a decision to, to, to have a next meeting. Let's come on to a very big issue for Bulgaria, which is membership of the Schengen area, where you don't have to show a passport to travel around 27 countries. Uh, you're, you're trying to join Schengen. There's been some tensions with Austria, particularly on this issue. Uh, how are you progressing in the talks uh, at the moment? So there was a even public suggestion for joining Schengen through the airports. There was an additional suggestion for the uh, seaports. But uh, we, with the Romanian president, we think that we have to go further because the main obstacles for our citizens, for the business, including the Austrian business as well, this on the land borders. So we suggested uh, our version of a possible solution and it's under consideration today. One of the aspects of the Austrian proposal is more relocation of migrants, including Syrians and Afghans, or at least people coming from those two countries, and 
I'm wondering if that's something that you would be very keen on to see more migrant relocations into Bulgaria. Okay, I think that the suggestions that were made by the Austrian with these requests, if you call them, in this way is to first to strengthen the border and Bulgaria is interested in this, so we are very positive on all these suggestions for uh, additional patrols, for some technical assistance there, so everything is fine here. Concerning the relocation of, uh, of migrants, I think they had in mind that, according to the Dublin Agreement, those that have been registered in Bulgaria should be uh, returned back. This is in the in the agreement, so I don't see anything important, and especially the nationalities are because these are some of the main uh, sources of migration that go through our route. There was nothing special here. Are you concerned about the political transition in the Netherlands, that perhaps there could be a government that is less keen there on you joining the Schengen area as well? There is a kind of concern, but on the other hand, we made a huge progress in the last few months with the judicial reform. So all these recommendations that were in the rule of law report, they are covered or they will be covered in the next few days by the end of the year. So we are changing the constitution in in these days. So uh, I think this progress was uh, very well reflected in a fact-finding mission report that was uh, made in November. And I, I expect a positive uh, reply from, from uh, the Netherlands. Let's come on to some Ukraine-related issues, but within the, the Bulgarian context. So, uh, as you know, these EU summit conclusions talked about uh, circumvention of the sanctions that have been imposed on Russia. And Bulgaria is obviously an important player in that whole discussion. Uh, at the moment, the Russian oil company Lukoil in Bulgaria is saying it's perfectly fine to export some types of fuel into the rest of the EU. Um, but it seems other EU members are a little bit uh, questioning that. What's what's your assessment? No, let me be very clear. First, there are sanctions that are imposed and everything that has been done within Bulgaria with Luke Oil Neftohim refinery in, in Bulgaria is according to the sanctions, according to the law. The problem is that, and it's not a Bulgarian problem, it's a general European uh, problem, even the world problem, is that it's relatively easy to evade these sanctions by changing the tankers or whatever. So uh, Bulgaria appeared on the spot because we have a a group that uh, made an investigation how this could happen, but this is not a specific Bulgarian problem. And uh, there is no violation of the sanctions as they are defined. The question is how we can close the loopholes that are available here and there and very successfully used by Kremlin. But but do you have a a certain image problem given that there was this report of Bulgaria importing Russian oil above the price cap of the EU and the G7? It is very interesting. If you read the paper, because I read it carefully, of course, you'll see that there is nothing special about Bulgaria. There are figures, there are numbers, and you see Bulgaria is one of many. And if you look on the, on the, on the figures, you see India, China, these are much bigger uh, importers of, of oil and uh, much bigger, and there are other European countries as well. 
But as I said, because the survey, uh, the investigation was uh, particularly successful in Bulgaria because the group is located partially in Bulgaria, that's why it appears like a um, image of Bulgaria is making something wrong. It's not about Bulgaria; it's about how Russia can uh, lose the, this, uh, use these loopholes to 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 sell oil in this way. The European Commission says that there's also an increase in export of dual-use goods through Bulgaria, among other countries. So again, I'm not singling out yeah. Bulgaria on that. Um, but I think you have a working group on this now to, to examine this uh, more closely. And your government has said there are 20,000 uh, components that go uh, around the Russia ra sanctions using various maneuvers with paperwork. Yeah. So again, this is an international problem. So we work very closely with the European uh, institutions like Europol and uh, Frontex when it goes to, to migration. So what we try to do is to be part of all these international efforts to stop this, uh, this uh, illegal export of, of such components. So. We do whatever is possible and uh, with the customs, with our um, secret service, it's not that easy. Uh, so, um, There was recently a, a veto by the president of Bulgaria on the transfer of armored personnel carriers to Ukraine. That was overturned by parliament. Uh, but are you expecting more such actions from him, given that President Zelensky of Ukraine has talked to you about the needs of the Ukrainian military, and I'm assuming Zelensky is expecting more equipment from you, actually. Uh, Bulgaria is one of the first countries that uh, helped uh, Ukraine. We didn't stop. In the meantime, we sent several packages, and this is one of them that, that you discuss. So all this time we try to help Ukraine because, as, as I said many times, actually Ukraine is fighting and helping Europe against uh, some pos pos possible aggression in the future. So from this viewpoint, uh, the majority in the parliament, the government that we have today is, is very clear about these uh, efforts to help Ukraine. On the other hand, the president and his uh, previous governments that uh, ruled the country for almost two years, they have much more, how to say, uh, approach that is uh, much closer, let's say, to the approach of Viktor Orban, let me put it this way. And there is some uh, division in the society, but as I said, the big majority of the parliament, the government today, we follow the general policies of the European Union, if you like, we want to help Ukraine, because in this way we help Europe. So, so just to sum up on that point, uh, President Radev, he can sort of uh, slow things down, if you will, but you've got the parliamentary majority to push these things through if you need to, obviously. Yeah, that's what he tries to do all the time. We'll end it there. Thank you so much for being my guest, Prime Minister Nikolai Denkov of Bulgaria. And that's all for part one of Talking Europe. I'll be back after a short break, so don't go away. <laughs> 